What is up, guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one, the only, Shane Squatch. And I'm Orin. You should start going with Orin the Martian. Martian Orin. Or, I don't know. You got to well, do some kind of alien name, man. We did have a listener that uh, messaged me on Instagram, and he suggested UF Orin. UF Orin. I, I was pretty jealous that I didn't think of that myself, so uh, we might have to throw that in the rotation at some point. We at least got to do it in the beginning, because I always at least go with Shane Squatch in the beginning, and then I change it at the end of the show just to be boring and basic. So we got to start doing Shane Squatch and UF Orin. All right, maybe next week we'll uh, we'll spice it up a little bit. Hey, man, and we have some big announcements to make, and we definitely should use those names when we do this big <laughs> announcement thing, because that would be fun. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, big announcements, why don't you get straight into it, Shane? So, I will let Oren give all the major details, but we will be vending and speaking for our first speaking thing at the Snarly You Presents Cryptid Halloween 2, Cryptid Festival and Halloween Craft Show, which will be October 28th from 12 to 6. It is a free event, and it will be at the American Legion in Charlestown, West Virginia. And I will be adding some more info down in the show description, of course, as it gets a little bit closer. And I said it once, but I'll say it again just so everybody knows. It is a free event, so I better see you guys there. And like Shane said, this is going to be our first official speaking engagement for the Bazaar Crew, so uh, we're pretty stoked about that. Uh, we're kind of kicking around some ideas on uh, what we're going to talk about with uh, everybody in attendance, and uh, hopefully we'll kind of share some of these videos for the listeners as well. But um, we're going to do one speech, kind of like more of a uh, local subject to the area we're going to be in, and then we're going to do maybe some interviews and uh, also kind of like a... Uh, like a campfire, roundtable, share your encounters type situation. So uh, we're, like I said, pretty stoked about this. And uh, a big thanks to uh, the Snarly U for uh, giving us the opportunity to do this. And just an extra little shout out to Dave here. I met this guy just randomly walking around the boots and everything like that at Squonkapalooza. So also a thank you to Joe and Lisa for putting that event on. Otherwise, I wouldn't have met Dave, a.k.a. the Snarly U, and this wouldn't be happening. He wouldn't have actually asked us to do this because the best part about it was that 
we didn't have to ask to speak. He asked us to speak and do a live broadcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, it's going to be a free event. So hopefully I'll see you guys there and we'll be doing three, one hour or so increments. So, you know, if, if you miss it in the morning, you're only able to make it in the afternoon or you only want to stay in the morning. Maybe if you're around that area, you guys can come. At least you can hit one of the shows. You don't necessarily have to stay for all three, but hopefully you can at least make one. And as always, you guys hit us up on social media or through the uh, email, bizarreencounters.outlook.com. Any suggestions for topics, guests, any contributions you guys want to make, and especially contributions to Shane's Bizarre Encounters book he's working on. And of course, uh, I'm still looking, hopefully, to have somebody on who is of you know native descent. Um, who maybe lives on a reservation, has some generational stories, has some personal experiences. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun to be able to talk to somebody who fits those qualifications. So if that sounds like you, shoot us a message and let me know because I would love to uh, set something up to get you on the show and get a little bit of a native voice on the show instead of just having me cover it. Who I, I mean, I feel weird sometimes even telling people I have that as a nationality because it's only 25%, but it is what it is. Like I said, I want to get somebody who uh, hears these stories firsthand on reservations has maybe had some experiences. I think that'd be a lot of fun to have on as far as a guest goes. And uh, as far as other front of the house stuff, of course, if you guys aren't already following the show on social media, highly recommend that you do. If you want to get updates on anything going on with new episodes, new updates for the show, uh, even more information for this event that we're going to be doing soon enough, I'm sure that I'll be dropping stuff and talking about all the other vendors and stuff that's going to be there. So go and follow that if you want to get updates and all that fun stuff. And then uh, if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, you guys can always check out the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, the Telegram, not as active. Discord, like I always say, we're building that thing up. I want to see more of you guys in there. I want you guys to interact. I want you guys to talk amongst yourselves and everything. But, you know, I feel like sometimes people come into chat rooms and they feel like they can't talk or they're trying to kind of get stuff felt out. No, I just want to see you guys pop in. I want to get you guys all to be friends and everything. And then maybe we can start doing some type of uh, random hangouts here and there. Uh, maybe if it's like a once a year big event where Orin and I can meet up and maybe we can all have like a barbecue or something, or, you know, maybe we can go on smaller squatch hikes if it's groups closer to Orin or groups closer to me, but we want to find more ways to interact with you guys. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, also, because I have the opportunity to throw it in here, Orin, if you want to talk about again, what you want to try to do next year with uh, some of the listeners, if anybody's interested in that. And like we talked about a little bit uh, last week, we are trying to get a fantasy football uh, league rolling for kind of the listeners and whatnot. Uh, It's already started for this year, but uh, hopefully next year we'll have a little bit more participation and we can just keep this rolling uh, from here on out. So uh, like I said last week, you guys kind of keep that one uh, on the back burner for next year. We'd love to see this thing grow and just be a year to year thing. And uh, any other ways that you guys want to try to interact with each other and maybe pull some more stuff together, we're always down for suggestions. So don't be afraid to uh, shoot us a message and let us know anything you guys would like to see as far as a community kind of thing goes. And uh, if you guys want to share the show, you want to find a quick and easy way to do it, you guys can always do that on TikTok and YouTube. I do send over clips of the show over there on both of those. Usually it's the same thing on both, but uh, usually it's set with a question that has to do with what that snippet of the show is and then it has like a like a main moment of the show between like you know one to three minutes uh points of interest to the show uh quick and easy to share like i said if you guys want to check those out and also adding on to that kind of stuff we're going to be working on some more uh documentary type things or just paranormal investigations squatch hikes uh, all that fun stuff we want to try to build up more of the video section of our youtube and as far as this event goes 
uh, if I can set everything up right, maybe we can take the GoPro and everything and I can live stream that directly to YouTube. And then maybe afterwards I can add those onto YouTube. So again, just something else to look out for because the idea and the plan is that whenever we do speaking events, we're going to try to live broadcast it. So just another reason to go and follow the YouTube or the TikTok. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can always join the ranks of the awesome Patreon members over there. Uh, you'll get things such as early access to the show, uh, lives of the show, live replays of the show. Uh, the live replay, of course, is like the raw video format of the show if anybody's interested in stuff like that. Uh, there's also exclusive merch store discounts. And for anybody that doesn't know where those are, there's the little tabs up at the top. Uh, depending on which group, which tier you guys pick, uh, you'll see them in there. Um, I don't continuously repost them. They're the same things. I made them so that they never expire. So if anybody's looking for those, just scroll down in the boxes on the top and you'll find your exclusive discount depending on what your tier is. And uh, while I'm bringing that up, of course, uh, you guys can always check out the Open Minds Media merch store. Got that new Stay Bizarre design over there that a lot of people seem to really enjoy. So if you guys want, you guys can become a Patreon member, get yourself that discount code, and then pop over to our Open Minds Media store, pick yourself up that Stay Bizarre shirt, because we know you guys want to. Two birds, one stone, supporting the podcast in two different ways, of course. Or option three, if you guys want to support the show, you guys can always do so through Red Circle, which is our ISS host for the show. Uh, there you can donate to the show directly, uh, make it so that we can get to more events because that's the goal and the plan is we want to start being able to speak at all the, a lot more events. We want to be able to interact with you guys at more events. So all of that that would be contributed to us would make it so that we can get out and meet you guys. So it's beneficial in all aspects, in my opinion. And uh, of course... You guys can always support the podcast just through interacting the community, leaving reviews and ratings for the show, um, you know, giving us feedback on certain things for the show. Uh, there's a million different ways to try to support podcasts. It doesn't necessarily have to come out of your pocket, but you know, if you guys can't do anything like that, don't forget to at least get involved in the community. Uh, give us some feedback because that stuff goes a really, really long way. And just in the process that I've been doing podcasts, I've seen a lot of good shows come and go. Uh, you know, you see the numbers, but you don't necessarily always know how people are feeling about your show. So, you know, just sending a message over to a podcaster saying that you really like their show could be the one saving factor to their show that they might be thinking about quitting. So uh, for any, for not even just this podcast, for any podcast, any podcast you enjoy, don't forget to support it in some way, shape or form, uh, because there's a million free ways to support the podcast too. So it means the world to us. So don't forget to do that. And if you guys are looking for other uh, small businesses to support, check out Joe at Crypto Theology. He's killing it with his cryptid and alien and all sorts of uh, high strangeness designs. So definitely check that out. And again, all of this information is listed in the link tree in the show description. And of course, you have another awesome dive for us today. So I'm going to be passing over the microphone to you and you can let the listeners know what awesome topic we are going to be getting into today, my friend. All right, so it's been a little while since we've done like an alien UFO episode. So, warning, alien approaching. Warning, biophysical experiments extremely dangerous to Earth people. Perfect timing. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about some alien shit tonight. But as you will see, it also kind of connects in with some of the other stuff we've been talking about here recently. So tonight we are going to talk about uh, George Van Tassel and the Integratron. Here's an idea. So George aliens. Van <laughs> aliens. So George Van Tassel was a prominent figure in kind of the early ufology and contactee movement. 
He was born on March 12th, 1910 in Jefferson, Ohio. And when he was young, uh, he had an interest in aviation and aerospace and things like that. And uh, he even acquired his pilot's license while he was still a teenager. Dude, is it possible for there to ever be somebody that's into flying and or rockets and not be some form of an occultist? <laughs> I mean, I don't think if you grew up during this time period, that's possible. Like, you have to be. It was a prerequisite, I think. But anyway, so when he got a little bit older, he moved to uh, Santa Monica, California. And the others are in California. Got... <laughs> oh, dude, we're, we're going to get deeper into this. But So when he first got out to California, he uh, worked as a mechanic. Um, at his uncle's garage and through working at the garage he came into contact with a german miner named frank kritzer and a miner like you know pickaxe and shovel not a miner like a like the elites child. love yeah yeah not <laughs> one of those not one of the things that are in elite's basements yes so uh this miner frank kritzer informed George Van Tassel that he had received permission to mine in the area around a massive boulder in the Mojave Desert known as Giant Rock. And what That's have we just talked about name. recently <laughs> with uh, the Mojave Desert? All the weirdness, of course. All the UFOs. Uh, Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons, Jack Parsons yeah. Parsons going out to the Mojave. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so there's clearly something rock. with that area, that land specifically. Because, I mean, if there's UFOs coming to it and there's people trying to open up gates there, I don't know, man, maybe it's just the desert in general. You got to have a wide open area to try to do all this weird shit. Or two, it's specifically just that location, maybe. But, I mean... We're going to get into that a little bit later. So you're ooh. on the right track. <laughs> but anyway, so Giant Rock is 5,800 feet in circumference and it's said to be the largest freestanding boulder on earth so this thing is huge i like the name it's very straightforward yeah it's, it's so damn literal but uh <laughs> this place is located very close to the uh joshua tree national park so there you go national parks national forests all that sort of stuff popping always up again and here here you go this is where it gets interesting the site supposedly sits on ancient tribal land, and like you said, the area is known for frequent UFO activity. So uh, the miner, Kritzer, he began excavating under a giant rock, and then he like literally began living under this rock. Like He made a little home. He had a bedroom. He had a kitchen. He had like a living room under this rock, and he used like old dynamite crates as furniture. Holy so, crap, this know, is a big rock. I'm looking at pictures of it now. Yeah. And the front of it's, it's like huge. broken off. And just to give you like the listeners We're a size comparison idea of this. A little bit too. Like, okay, so if I had to guess, there's a person standing next to it. And they maybe, maybe you'd have to stack like, mm, if I had to guess, like 20 people on top of each other to reach the top of this rock. Yeah, well, like it's, you know, 6,000 feet almost around so yeah this thing is huge i'll have to add a picture of it into the uh, episode cover so everybody can see yeah, kind yeah, of an definitely. idea with people yeah because like like you said like i don't think oh you say giant rock it's a big rock but i don't think you really understand like how big it is till you see a picture of it and it shouldn't be called giant rock said. it should be called massive rock <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a big enough word that's what she said. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so this guy was living under giant rock in this, uh, you know, little home he had dug out. Is that where that expression but came from? 
I, I hope so. <laughs> what, mean, have you been living under a rock? That would just be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, th- this is the guy everybody's talking about. Literally, literally I have the, been. <laughs> yeah, literally the guy living under the rock. So, you know, he had a free pass for not knowing anything. So, what a simple life this guy must have right? lived. <laughs> it's like but, the ultimate excuse. Like, do, what, have you been living under a rock? Like, yes, I yes, literally live under a, a rock. I would say a that with the most rock. serious face possible, too. I bet he did. No, we should petition to change the name. It shouldn't be called Giant Rock. It should be called Massive Rock. <laughs> but this is where things get a little crazier. So this guy uh, in 1942 died in a dynamite explosion during a police siege of his home under the rock. <laughs> and there were several contradicting accounts of what actually happened during this explosion. I think the what U.S. government was just blowing like? everybody up at this point, trying to make it yeah, look like an yeah. accident. <laughs> like what? Somebody dying in a strange explosion where there's uh, contradicting accounts. Bro, like, but literally, though, anybody that's into flight or aviation, like, they know for a fact they're going to be dealing with explosives. So there wouldn't be any other smart way for, if it's the government or somebody else, there wouldn't be a smarter way to take those people out. Because that's the only way they would ever get ruled as an accident. Because if you're blowing shit up trying to make shit fly like of course it wants some point you it's gonna you're gonna get blown up in the process but you know and this was just the guy who was like the miner who was prospecting this area this isn't even like george van tassel the main guy oh i thought we were talking about him living under the rock okay no no so this is just like a weird connection synchronicity whatever you want to call it but i guess same thing for a miner though weirder because you know they're going to be storing some dynamite so let's that's probably yeah. honestly the best way to pull it off as an accident. <laughs> but, and you know, in my research, there was, um, a little bit of controversy around this guy. Cause you know, he was German in like the thirties and forties. So, uh, you know, he, uh, didn't have a good go of it because of that basically. But anyway, uh, jumping back into George Van Tassel, which is, you know, the main guy we're talking about here. So, he later worked as a flight inspector for Douglas Aircraft Company, the Lockheed Corporation, and are you ready, Shane? I'm ready. The Hughes Aircraft Company. <laughs> Who else worked for the Hughes Aircraft Company? Parsons. Jack Parsons. Yes. Of course. <laughs> so Van Tassel and Howard Hughes actually became close friends while he was working with the company. But in 1947, strange year, right? In 1947, Van Tassel left the aerospace industry, and then he leased the land around Giant Rock. And so he moved his wife and his three daughters out to this rock in the middle of the desert. And at first, they actually lived under the rock in you know, the home that the crazy miner man had dug. I was going to say, I assume that they just cleaned the house out and said, fuck it, they were living under this rock now. So they lived under the rock for a little bit, but eventually he built a new home and even like a small town in this area. Like he built an airstrip out there and they also had like a cafe and a gas station and even like a small motel. So basically this guy just like moved out into the desert and built his own little town. And in 1952, George Van Tassel began conducting group meditation sessions under Giant Rock. And through this, he was allegedly able to access what he called, quote, a seventh sense. And he said that this allowed him to connect to, another quote, the substance of cosmic composition of true light intelligence or the unseen God. 
And I don't really know what that means, but that sounds like some kind of Edgar Casey shit, if you ask me. Yep, that's what I was thinking. But uh, through these group meditations, uh, Van Tassel began attempting to channel extraterrestrial entities, which to me also sounds a lot like the kind of CE5 stuff people are doing now. Basically, this guy was doing it in the 50s. It just transitioned, man. There was spirituality in like the early 1900s. And then after that, it was just all these psychics having communication with aliens. And there's a very fine line between those two things, if you ask me. Or, or they're coming from the same place. They're just ominous voices in their heads. How do they justify whether or not they're like a spirit or an alien by just like whatever tongue they choose to use? I mean, I feel like both could theoretically project a thought in your head and it has to be in some way, shape or form for you to be able to comprehend it. They're clearly not like speaking in an alien language. So it's like, realistically, you don't know where the hell the voice is coming from. You don't know well, what it is. Well, that goes back to what we talk about all the time about wearing masks. You know, I think a lot of this stuff is whatever you expect to see, you're, that's what you're going to see. You know, if you're out in the woods, you're going to see a Bigfoot. If you're out in the desert and something's talking to you, oh, it's an alien. Or if you're Chupacabra. Jack Parsons, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Babylon. But anyway... So Van Tessel claimed that he was able to successfully channel multiple entities. Uh, one of them, he said, was called Lutbun, and that's spelled L-U-T-B-U-N-N. What bun? But wh- yeah, but the <laughs> other one was like Ashtar. And I wasn't that familiar with this, but apparently Ashtar is like a big entity, big deal in like the Contact D community, like Many, many people throughout the years have said that they have channeled or had contact with this entity. And there's even like this whole like kind of UFO cult religion, if you will, around this Ashtar being. And maybe that's something we can get into a little bit more in another episode. But I was already going to say that we should do an episode specifically talking about all the different people who have had contact with the supposed uh, being. Yeah. Yeah. Because like just, you know, kind of reading the Wikipedia page about Ashtar, this being like, it's pretty fascinating. So that would be a good episode to potentially do in the future. Do you know offhand? Is it describe like what it is? Is it like a, like a Nordic or like a gray or like, does it say like what type of thing it is? I'm going to get there in just a second. Okay. I'll I'll let you do you, man. (laughs) No, we're all good. So, uh, like I said, uh, a lot of people through the years have claimed to channel this entity Ashtar, but uh, George Van Tassel was the first person to kind of like go on record claiming he had talked to this thing. And uh, he claimed that Ashtar told him that he was from the fourth dimension where frequencies vibrate higher. And he also warned of the dangers of atomic weapons, which, you know, is just typical like Space Brother stuff, you know. Y'all are destroying your planet. You need to tighten up and change your ways. But um, in 1953, Van Tassel was personally visited by, and this is where it gets even more crazy. So in 1953, Van Tessel was personally visited by an entity from Venus named Solganda. And that's spelled S-O-L-G-A-N-D-A. And we're going to talk a little bit more later about the whole Venus aspect of all this. But this entity was approximately five and a half feet tall and looked like a normal human being and wore a gray one-piece spacesuit. And that's a very similar description uh, that a lot of these entities that they were channeling kind of were. So basically, it's 
pretty much what we would call the Nordics nowadays. And this is where a lot of that Nordic idea started was with these guys, you know, channeling these entities in the 40s and 50s. I'm kind of curious, though, if these things are actually something that's like, for example, like from Antarctica or a race at one point that lived in Antarctica, but they actually come from the Earth in some way, shape or form because they have the same type of physical appearance as us. And I almost feel like they just say they're from Venus because they don't want us to actually know where they're from. And they always seem to be the ones that are talking about atomic bombs. Don't do this. Don't do that. I feel like the reasoning for that is because they're actually somewhere on the planet. <laughs> well, and that could get back to, you know, ultra terrestrial, even hollow earth type stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to kind of unpack there. But do you do follow the whole Valiant Thor thing, too? Yeah, I, um... I don't know what... Actually, I do know what I... I think a lot of the Valiant Thor stuff is bullshit, basically. <laughs> I, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that story, personally. Well, the only part I was going to throw in is that uh, Eisenhower's granddaughter, that's obviously really big in the UFO stuff, uh, she claims to have had contact with him at one point past like him disappearing, which, mm -hmm. again, if that is possible, if Valiant Thor really is a thing, that just leads even more credence to the fact that they might be Earth-dwelling beings that just say they're from somewhere else because they don't want humans trying to search the planet, trying to figure out where the hell they're from. Or yeah. maybe that's part of the Antarctic agreement is that these things actually are from Antarctica and they live in that area. That's These are the beings from there. And the government just is like, all right, we'll stay on the outside. You guys can keep the center. We'll keep you guys quiet. Nobody can come here. Like You guys do your no, things I, here I and we'll trade technology, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very possible. I think that's a, a really good thought. And um yeah, I, I don't know. Just the whole Valiant Thor thing, I think there's a lot of red flags in that story for me personally. But um, I mean, if he was human-looking to begin with, I mean, that would also kind of make it hard to uh, be like, oh, yes, he's yeah, for sure an alien. Prove that? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, the one-piece spacesuit could either, one, just be for looks, one, to make it look like you're from space, or two, maybe it was some type of, like... Uh, like warming if they if they do have advanced technology even though they are from earth it could just be some type of like body warming like self-regulating temperature type suit because if they are theoretically maybe from antarctica you know maybe they just want to wear a thin basic suit to be able to still move and maybe it like regulates their temperature for example i don't know just just trying to throw some possibilities in yeah and you know a lot of these descriptions of these beings they do have like kind of gray silver or something like that one piece suit so that's like a pretty consistent thing across ufology and just to throw an extra piece in when you think of like those uh the thin warming jackets that they make for mm -hmm. like homeless people in arctic conditions all of that they're always that metallic -y, silver thin yeah. material too so i mean again that could just fit in with maybe these are suits yeah. for self-regulating temperature even like emergency like camping blankets and things like that yep exactly but uh, anyway, jumping back into the notes, so uh, this entity from Venus, Solganda, uh, Van Tassel claimed that he took him into his bell-shaped spacecraft. Remember that, bell-shaped. <laughs> With the die glocky, or glocken, however the fuck you say that, <laughs> a.k.a. the Hitler, or the yeah. Nazi bell. <laughs> yeah, the bell. And also but the anyway. Kecksburg. UFO incident. Uh, we're, we're getting there. So uh, <laughs> this craft's navigation system, he said, resembled fluorescent tubes with hieroglyphic symbols written on them. And yeah, like we were just saying, Kecksburg, you know, bell, acorn, whatever shaped craft with hieroglyphic writing on it. And supposedly also the uh, Hitler, the Nazi bell, the die Glock, mm -hmm. Glocken, however the hell you say it, that also supposedly had hieroglyphics on it also, which... 
just to throw in another one, hopefully you don't cover this in the notes, but there are some people that theorize that those are the same thing. Because supposedly the bell was never found. It just disappeared one day. And there were some Nazi scientists that disappeared with the two. And supposedly there were some encounters that for Kecksburg, people claim to have seen two people wearing Nazi uniforms come out of the Kecksburg UFO. So there's theories that it's not even necessarily UFO, but some type of like, like basically what everybody knows the Nazi bell as some type of zero gravity flying device slash time traveling device. Um, so just, just to throw that in there, hopefully you don't have that already in the notes. No, no, but you know, I'm just eat up with the whole like Nazi occult space program, all that stuff. I mean, I think that shit's so interesting and kind of, you know, circling back around to what you were talking about before with uh, these ultra terrestrial type entities possibly being from Antarctica, that gets back to ideas of like, you know, the Nazis fled to Antarctica after World War II. So, yeah, like this story. Oh, and the Nordics have blonde hair and blue eyes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, like, this story just has so much shit that connects to everything, basically. So the Nordics aren't actually aliens. They're actually the the Aryans. They're hiding <laughs> up in up in the Antarctic, pretending like they're extraterrestrials, and they're still flying around the bell and just pretending like it's UFO crashes. Because again, like there's synchronicities and then there's coincidences. And like I don't necessarily believe in coincidences. So why is there three different places where the same description of the same device, like there's yeah, either it's not even a coincidence or synchronicity. It's just the same thing popping up time and time again. You Either know? it's a method that works and multiple people have recreated the same thing or it literally is this, the same thing. Yeah, it's consistent technology being used by someone or something. So, mm-hmm. But there you go. Not you to sidetrack. Here first. <laughs> I just had to throw in that whole uh, Kecksburg slash uh, Nazi Bell uh, yeah. tie-in. <laughs> yep, we cracked the code, guys. And also apparently here. It's in three places now. Where's the fourth? We got to start doing some more diving. As I'm sure we'll find more of this bell description in other places. Yeah. So allegedly uh, this entity, Solganda, when uh, he took George Van Tassel into his spaceship and you know showed him all this stuff, he also telepathically gave him the blueprints for a, quote, rejuvenation machine that he called the Integratron. And... Uh, Shane, hopefully you can add a picture of the Integratron oh. to the uh, kind of the artwork for this episode. I got you covered. But in 1954, George Van Tassel began construction on this structure. And the Integratron was supposed to be a 38-foot-tall domed structure built entirely without metal. And the reason for this was he was told by this entity that metal supposedly interfered with, quote, thought transferences which what i think is kind of interesting about this is like you know in fairy lore like you know certain metals you're not supposed to have so there might be something there there might not be but just kind of something that popped in my mind about that uh so van tassel also claimed the site where he built the integratron which is in kind of this whole you know giant rock area it's um you know pretty close to that but he said that it was built on top of a geomagnetic anomaly. So, just to throw that in there, sounds like an area where there could potentially be portals. Because yes. at least from all the weird research that I've been doing that everybody's kind of heard snippets about here, whenever there's some type of magnetic anomaly, it seems to be a pretty universal spot for UFOs and possible portals. Yeah, and that's, you know, 
there's UFOs going on here. This is the Mojave Desert. This is where uh, Parsons went out and, you know, had all his strange encounters. This guy was having strange encounters. You know, they all claim to be with things from Venus. So I'll have to look into it too, but it seems that every other time I found this whole idea where you see the magnetic anomaly in UFOs, it seems to be linked to volcanic activity and the magnetic rock is caused from a from a volcano that was around at some point. So I'm kind of curious if there was an active volcano at some point during this area and that's what caused that specific area to have a magnetic anomaly is from magnetized volcanic rock. Now, I don't know about the volcano aspect, but between the magnetic anomaly and just like the structure of this Integratron that he was trying to build, he said that it would use, quote, intermittent magnetic fields to polarize human cells. And so this would effectively like regrow cells and, you know, make your lifespan way longer. Like the entity Solganda claimed to be like 700 years old that gave him supposedly this technology. I just want to throw in there that apparently the Mojave Desert has a lot of inactive volcanoes. So again, still fitting my theory that it's something caused probably from magnetic activity or from volcanic activity. And so when fully operational, Van Tassel said that the Integratron would also feature this like rotating apparatus around the outside of the dome. And he called it an electrostatic die rod. And this idea is partially based off of the work of Nikola Tesla and Georges, I believe is how it's pronounced, Lakovsky. So Tesla's popping up now. Everybody had to steal a little bit of Tesla's work because that dude was clearly onto something. Yeah. And in addition to rejuvenation, Van Tassel claimed that when this thing was fully operational, it could also be used for time travel and anti-gravity experiments. So basically, you know, he was building a spaceship in the middle of the desert, pretty much, is what he was claiming to do. A wooden spaceship, out of all things. Yeah, because you can't use metal. Because at least it would be light, right? (laughs) Yeah, but it gets back also to, like, alien technology and, you know, materials and whatnot. Like, people claim, you know, spacecrafts and things like that are made out of some strange material. And they told him, like, hey, you can't use metal, so... And they're ridiculously lightweight where they seem like maybe they're, I don't know, just floating on top of something that we don't have an understanding of yet, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, again, you know, like I said, it basically sounds kind of, to use a crude example, like a Noah's Ark type situation. You know, like this guy was given this blueprint, this plan from this, you know, higher heavenly entity to build this thing and yeah like i said he was basically trying to build a spaceship in the middle of the desert is how it strikes me i just want to throw this one in there because it's another scene thing that seems like it might be some kind of off connection a little bit but are you familiar with uh sam the sand down clown Mm -mm. okay so i'm not going to do the full story on this episode i know that there is a really old episode with ghosts a long time ago where we covered it but maybe we can come back to it again and i can cover it with orin and get a different opinion on it but essentially uh, the best thing that I could come up with was that the Sam the Sandown Clown was some type of extraterrestrial. And when they found him, he was wearing like a wooden spacesuit. But then he also had his ship, which was like a metal. So what I'm trying to connect here, and I'm kind of wondering, is if uh, maybe the closest thing material-wise to what extraterrestrials use for their, their ships and everything else, is our closest thing that we have to it, maybe like on a molecular level, is wood. Because it seems that... 
there's a lot of like weird cases where um, you know, you'd normally expect them to be wearing some kind of weird spacesuit or anything like that, but it seems like the aliens use wood randomly for a lot of things, or at least a material that seems like wood. Or again, maybe I said it like I said, it's maybe the most comparable thing to their material because it's maybe light enough but also strong enough. But I don't know, just a weird connection with uh extraterrestrials and UFOs also using wood for some reason. No, I'm not familiar with that. I'll definitely have to look into it a little bit. But while you were, you know, telling that story, it kind of made me think of just like the whole biological UFO angle. You know, uh, maybe you know this not using metal or you know earthly metal, if you want to call it that, is kind of a thing with all this. Maybe it has to do with frequency because I mean, obviously, trees are a living thing. So maybe when it dies and you use it for something, it's still giving off some type of frequency that we're not like aware of. And maybe that helps with whatever it is that they want to use it for. Like maybe that's the difference between that. And when they use like a metal, like a metal is like maybe more flat, maybe it doesn't have the same type of like frequency to it because it wasn't a living organic thing at one point. Well, and this just popped in my head while you were talking, you know, in the notes, it said that, you know, Van Tassel was told not to use metal because it interfered with thought transferences. And, you know, we talk about like people not being able to tap into higher consciousness, third eye, whatever you want to call it at this point. When did all that shit kind of start with like industrialization and things like that? So, I mean, maybe there's something to all that, you know? And maybe using cell phones is blocking our thought patterns as you're pulling a piece of metal up to your face when you're talking well, on the phone. Hey, I think we got enough evidence to say it's doing that one way or the other. But <laughs> On top of the millions of different frequencies, whatever the fuck that they're putting out yeah, on us all the time. beaming into our fucking brains. But. <laughs> so, bit of a rabbit hole there, but I think that was a good one. So, uh, Anyway, to raise funds for building the Integratron, George Van Tassel began hosting a conference at giant rock and he called it the giant rock spacecraft convention which again is very literal name uh but anyway the convention attracted huge crowds like tens of thousands of people came to this thing and he ran them for like 20 years like this was a very very successful convention and a lot of like the notable ufologists and contactees of the day showed up and like gave lectures and things of that nature uh, Howard Hughes actually was a frequent visitor of Giant Rock, and he donated $20,000 toward the construction of the Integratron. So that's kind of a weird connection, I think, between you know Howard Hughes, this story, and again, the whole Parsons thing. But unfortunately, the Integratron was never completed. The spinning apparatus around the outside was never fully operational, and supposedly this was going to kind of be the thing that, you know, made the time travel and anti-gravity aspect of it work. But it was never completed because um, as it was nearing completion, Solganda, the, you know, the fellow from Venus, contacted Van Tassel, and he told him that human beings were not ready for this technology. So basically... Van Tassel kind of, you know, just stopped working on it. And then soon after that, he abruptly died. Do you think that and it was actually something that works? Or do you think that he was bullshitting to keep people's interests? And he was just like, oh, I can't finish it because the aliens told me not to. 
See, I, I don't know. That's what's so interesting about this story to me because there's like so much stuff that seems like just pure bullshit in this, but it also has so many connections to other things. Like, is it possible this guy was talking to something? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, was it an actual, you know, Venusian that gave him this technology to better humanity? I don't know about that, but we're going to get into that a little bit later, too. See, you know, we talk about this thing, too, where we've been digging into these people from, like, 50s and previous, and we talk about how they have a lot of different ideas that match up with a lot of ideas that people are sharing now. And what I'm starting to kind of wonder is you can look at it two ways. Either one, they were onto something that was way ahead of their time, or two, everybody that's talking about this stuff now is taking it from these people. But it's kind of, I guess, like a matter of perspective on which way you want to look at it. But of course, like my brain wants to entertain the fact that these people were just on to something ahead of their time and then people rediscovered it. But the logical brain of mine is saying that like some random person just found this old stuff and then started bringing it back into the limelight again. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both. But I almost tend to believe that you know, the first is kind of more like, I think a lot of these guys were on to something, you know, because like we talked about in our Edgar Casey episode, that was like the thirties and the forties. And this guy was talking about things that have just recently become kind of, you know, trendy topics, new agey type stuff. And I, I don't know, like you said, I think there is a certain aspect of, you know, somebody just found this and latched onto it and brought it back. But some of this stuff I don't think would have as big of a reach as it has if that was all that was going on. You know, this just popped in my head, and I want to throw it in here. You were talking about almost like a Noah's Ark, right, earlier? Mm-hmm. So we call this, like, we're saying it's like a UFO, like a ship, right? So what if, theoretically, the extra... You know, we talk about this whole idea about how, like, angels, God, all this stuff could actually be extraterrestrials or vice versa both ways. Like, they could be interchangeably the same thing. What if the whole thing with Noah's Ark wasn't actually a ship? It was just one of those things that, like, the language kind of got misconstrued. And maybe during, like, the Great Floods, there was some type of extraterrestrial being, be it a God or be it, you know, like, an actual, like, entity-type being. hey. But they, they, God. this was a second one of that, you know, maybe he actually built a ship, but not how we know a ship to be. And they actually left the planet with the animals and then came back. <laughs> yeah. And, um, what was Noah's Ark built out of? Wood. That was exactly why my brain was going down that same, same method of yeah. thinking here. And he got the plans, you know, telepathically downloaded to him from somebody from somewhere else. This is literally a new age what? Noah's Ark story. Yes, which is what I say all the time. It's fucking language. You know, one person's angel is another person's alien, and we have to think about what these ancient tales mean in real-world terms. Oh, so back then they believed in the firmament, and they thought that the water came from the sky, right? Yeah. I just want to throw that in there. That like, Okay, so this guy was essentially Noah's Ark was floating on the sky in a way and this was also floating on the sky like there i feel like it's right there and it's just misconfused language because it's been translated so many times but it's still like you could look at at it that way because if the sky cracked and fell in theoretically the guy would be floating on the sky aka flying a ship like it's there (laughs) no that i've never heard anybody say that before and that's great like call me crazy but i thought feel like i'm onto something here (laughs) that makes so much sense 
So, and maybe, you know, just whatever this spinning apparatus that was supposed to be part of this, hey, maybe there's something to it. Maybe if he had to, uh, you know, finish the Integratron, it'd be flying around in it and rejuvenated right now. But, sorry. No, I was going to say maybe there was supposedly, they thought there was going to be some type of other cataclysm. So they were like warning this guy. And then once they realized, like, oh, maybe the asteroid's a little bit off course than where we thought it was going to hit. They're like, all right, never mind. You're good. You don't need to make that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see anything about like a actual like cataclysm coming. Like he wasn't building this as like a, a you know, an arc to save humanity. It was more like, hey, this can help us. You know, it's, it's rejuvenation. It's new technology. It's, uh, you know, a step forward in consciousness, that kind of idea. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. I feel, I still feel like there's, there has to be some other type of deeper reason why they're like, yeah, they I think were it's telling close him to build enough it. that it still works, you know, because <laughs> assumably they're not just going to be like, here's some technology for free. There's going to be some like type of trade off in some way, shape or form or by giving us technology in a way it's going to benefit them somehow. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems weird that they're just like, here, have this. <laughs> yeah, for free. Yeah, but... for, for free. <laughs> you ever see bedtime stories? <laughs> <laughs> no. <I have> not. <laughs> With Adam Sandler, the guy's trying to get a Ferrari and he's like, can I get it for free? <laughs> no, that's a new one on me. But Well, there anyway. you go. And I got something to watch tonight. <laughs> Jumping back into the notes. So, uh, like we said a little bit earlier, uh, George Van Tassel died on February 9th. 1978 and in addition to his work on the integratron he also wrote several books and some of the titles of them i think are kind of wild uh his most famous one is i wrote a flying saucer <laughs> again this is a very literal guy uh the council of the seven lights which uh you know he claimed that this entity that he spoke with it was like part of this group of extraterrestrials called the council of the seven lights which that one's kind of interesting to me. Why does that also sound very biblical to me too? Because seven is obviously the number yeah. of God and then lights obviously would refer to like an angelic type of being, I feel. So the council of seven lights literally sounds like another perspective of saying some type of like council of like seven angels. I just want to throw that in there. Well, and one of the other books he wrote was called religion and science merged. So there you go. Boom. <laughs> yep. Boom. <laughs> so Van Tassel also founded a metaphysical organization called the Ministry of Universal Wisdom. And again, this sounds like some Edgar Casey shit to me. Yep. But uh, after Van Tassel's death, kind of um, ownership of the property and the Integratron itself changed hands a bunch of times and it had kind of fallen into disrepair. Until the early 2000s when it was purchased by three sisters named Joanne, Nancy, and Patty Carl. So it was just rotting in the desert for years? Nobody was touching it? Nobody doing nothing with it? Basically. Yeah, and then these three sisters bought it, and they've kind of made it, um, I say tourist attraction for lack of a better term, but like they've made it like a retreat almost, and we're gonna talk about that. I wonder if people were like second when it was abandoned. I wonder if people were like sneaking into it and you know doing like urban exploring in it, and in the process, I wonder if they like vandalized and destroyed the inside of it too. I didn't come across anything like that. It kind of seemed like it was just kind of dilapidated, just from from the elements, wear and tear, and being old and out in the middle of the desert. But I guess that's a anyway, difference with this area versus, uh, you know, if it was closer to a city, I'm sure somebody would have destroyed it. But if it's in the middle of the desert, that's one of those, like, yeah, if you're making you the trips to go there, there and find it. find it, you're not going to destroy it because you have a yeah. respect for it. 
you probably actually give a shit. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, so these three sisters, they claim that the structure is, quote, an acoustically perfect sound chamber. And so now they use it for what they call oral cleansing, like oral, like hearing, not oral, like with the mouth. I want some oral. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> Ayo. Ayo. They Damn it, I keep forgetting uh, to add that. <laughs> <laughs> they call these cleansing sound baths. And uh, kind of what you do is if you're participating in one of these sound baths, you go into the Integratron and you just like lay on a mat uh, with your eyes closed and they do like singing bowls. And they say that these are meditation-like sessions accompanied by tones from quartz, bowls so there's quartz again which kind of gets back to your whole portals theory Mm -hmm. and i also just want to throw in there for anybody that thinks this sounds crazy woo -woo, spiritual because i know that there's some of you out here who they're like oh that's bullshit that's bullshit all right you want to go on to conspiratorial side of stuff look up the havana project and this whole idea about projecting sound waves and frequencies on people and the negative effects they had on people so assumably if that is actually looked at from a scientific standpoint, as something that can actually happen and weapons they've been working on, why can't the reverse also be possible that you could also theoretically heal somebody with sounds and frequencies too? But just want to throw that in there because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are out here who are just listening to this, like, oh, that's some woo-woo hippie bullshit. Like, no, there's the opposite side looked at from a government standpoint also. So the whole thing with frequencies is something that's a noted phenomenon. Yeah, and that's basically, again, like what they were trying to do. They were trying to, you know, heal people and time travel and anti-gravity by frequencies and magnets and shit, you know? I mean, that kind of goes into an interesting theory about UFOs with the whole fact that they... I, I, were you were you around when we had the, the interview with Tim Schwartz and we were talking about how most encounters with UFOs, they seem to be, like, vibrating? No, I don't think I was part of that one. Oh, well, they seem like most of the encounters, if you dig into one with UFOs, they seem like they're like vibrating, like people get burned if they touch them because they're vibrating Mm -hmm. at like an ultrasonic frequency. So like theoretically, if there is a fourth element that we're not aware of and everybody digs into this whole idea about like the cosmic plasma, you know, like for example, like a fish wouldn't necessarily be aware that it's in water because it was born and raised in water. So the idea basically states that we're surrounded by some type of plasma or fourth um, type of uh, state of matter that we're not aware of because we've just always existed in it. So the theory and the idea goes that if you can create a vibration, it will basically be able to float on top of this plasma. And that's how something can give the idea of being zero gravity is because it fre- it vibrates at a frequency that can float on top of the cosmic plasma. And that's when you get into the whole idea about a lot of different theories with... Um, how the um, ancient Egyptians uh, moved all the giant blocks. It gets into the whole thing with Coral Castle and how this guy claims that he discovered how to be able mm-hmm. to move zero gravity with these blocks. I mean, it seems like it could be a very basic, simple technology if we started having an understanding of this cosmic plasma around us, that things aren't necessarily zero gravity. They're just vibrating to a point where they're able to float on top of another state of matter that we're not aware of. And you just got to tap into it. Pretty much. It could be literally just as simple as that. You vibrate at a certain pitch or a certain frequency and all of a sudden, boop, sitting on top of it, you know? You just got to make sure that it's vibrating where it becomes less dense than the thing that it's in, and then it floats. Uh, I mean, theoretically, that kind of makes sense to me and would explain a lot of things. And, you know, like we talk about on the show all the time, I think once you open your mind to the possibility that 
there's just something legitimately strange going on, it becomes a lot easier to believe a lot of these quote unquote mysteries, you know? The whole thing with Coral Castle, if anybody wants to look into it, there was literally one older guy that, that was moving these giant rocks. Well, yeah, we'll definitely dig into an episode, but just to throw this in there just for the sake of this episode, the kids in the neighborhood and people that were around, he had his backyard and area where he was doing all this stuff blocked off, but they claimed to have hear to hear a humming when he was moving these blocks around, supposedly. So again, it goes into this whole idea about it could be something just as simple as hitting a specific pitch or frequency, and then you can literally make anything float on top of this cosmic plasma. But yes, yeah, definitely Coral so, Castle have to be a future episode. <laughs> no, that'd be a good one. But, you know, kind of in addition to um, all these oral cleansings and sound baths and things of that nature, the Integratron is also known for, like, these really weird acoustical anomalies. Like, if a person is standing on one side of the dome and they speak in a whisper, somebody on the other side of the dome can hear it, like, you know, the person standing right beside them. Can you just imagine being so, on one side and being like, that fucking bitch? The other person's like, yeah, fuck that gun. She's ugly as fuck. And then the person yeah, on the other like, side is devil staring you. <laughs> yeah, so you can't talk shit about your friends at the Integratron. Just doesn't work. You don't recommend doing that. Because <laughs> at least one other person on the opposite side of the room will hear it. <laughs> yep. Then you'll have so, that awkward uh, Mac and Denny, Mac and, uh, Mac and Denny, Mac and Charlie moment where they're staring across the restaurant at each other. From Always Sunny? <laughs> exactly. But in the Integratron. But in so. the Integratron. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, kind of wrapping things up a little bit. So in 2018, the Integratron was added to the National Register of Historic Places, which I think is really cool. And, um, you know, if I'm ever fortunate enough to make it out to uh, the western part of the country, I definitely want to check it out. Like, you can, you know, book one of these cleansings, these sound baths. You can just go visit it. Like, it is closed, like, during the summer because it's literally the fucking desert. But other than that, you can just go and visit this place, which I think is really cool. Hey, Oren, when we get old and we retire, man, we just got to go for a, for a round trip across the west side of the United States. Even if we only do it once, man, we got to hit all of these spots. We got to hit, hit up Roswell. Roswell. Yep, we got to hit the, uh, the, the UFO Highway, the Integratron, yep. Joshua Tree, uh, all there that interesting go. stuff over there. We got to hit like the main area where uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot were first supposedly like seen and talked about up in Washington. Like, We got to do it. <laughs> uh, tell all of our listeners, uh, we need a camper. Yeah, uh, like we talked about in the uh, Edgar Casey episode, a higher intelligence is telling me that we need a Winnebago to go on our paranormal world tour. So. I'm manifesting it. You got to say it three times. Yeah, we'll put make up stick. t-shirts with the tour dates and everything on the back. Uh, <laughs> check out the merch store. We already got the uh, we already got the uh, GoPros. We'll record the entire trip for all of you guys to watch and enjoy. <laughs> there you go. I won't do anything without a GoPro <laughs> on my head, and I apologize that you probably will see some stuff that you don't want to see. <laughs> Normally, or people would have to pay extra do. for. Maybe you do maybe want to see it. Maybe they do. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's what she said. That's three times <laughs> this episode. <laughs> so kind of just some miscellaneous odds and ends that didn't fit into the bigger narrative, but I think are still worth talking about. So there's a local Native American legend out there in the Mojave Desert area that at a certain time, Mother Earth would start a new era and that this would awaken the divine feminine and therefore advance human consciousness. Now, what does that sound like? Sounds like the rise of feminism. Well, to me, it sounds like Parsons and, you know, the Babylon 
and all that manifesting that we talked about in our Jack Parsons series. So a new era starting because of the awakening of the divine feminine. And so they said at the moment when this happened, the quote, like mother, mother earth would split open. And some people have speculated that this event actually occurred on February 21st of the year 2000, because for some reason that they're not quite sure why a large section of giant rock kind of just like split off from the main section and fell down. And I think you were talking about that when you were looking up pictures about how, you know, there's something split off from it. People speculate it was this event that was, you know, advancing us into a new era of whatever, which in the year 2000, you know, there's some shit to unpack there as well. I just want to throw this in there because I'm going to feel bad if I don't say this because this is definitely where my mind went. When that initial explosion happened with the dynamite inside of this rock, I just wanted to throw in the theory that it could have potentially caused some type of fracture inside of the rock and all it took was maybe a specific type of thunderstorm or enough beating on it and then the split was already there and then it finally just broke. I mean, there was 60 years worth of whatever but no, it, it's at least an interesting story i, I mean think, it could have you know? there had to have been some type of damage underneath this rock from that explosion even if it was a small thing and then i was looking at pictures of people climbing up on top of this rock moving around on this rock you know maybe it's just a matter of just enough people over the course of the years just made this split just keep going and going and then finally one day it just snapped off the rest of the way because maybe each time somebody climbed on it every time somebody you know hit it or did whatever it's just the crack went a little bit farther you know Crack. Crack. Say crack again. Crack, crack. <laughs> okay. Do I say it like a Michigander or something? I say it weird? No, no. Uh, um, isn't that in Mean Girls, you know, the Lindsay Lohan movie where they're like, say crack again? Is it? I don't know, man. <laughs> I think so. Maybe I'm making that. Uh, I'm sure uh, the listeners will tell us otherwise, but I feel like that's from Mean Girls. I'd have to ask Gabby. She tried to make me watch <laughs> that movie a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure I smoked some weed and fell asleep. I was like, I'm good uh, on it, this. <laughs> it's a wonderful piece of cinema. It's right up there with Citizen Kane. The only thing that I remember is, you don't go here. And just the person <laughs> in the black hoodie, like, oh. <laughs> that's, that's about and it. And none for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> but anyway, so um, there's also speculation that Giant Rock is a quartz crystalline vortex. And... Shane, I haven't even told you about this yet, but this kind of ties into something I'm working on that's going to tie into something else we talked about. So this kind of quartz crystal vortex is going to come up again at some point. It's just a matter of when because I uh, want to do some boots on the ground, GoPro assholing before we uh, kind of talk about this. But this will come back up. So all you listeners out there, uh, put that one in the chamber. I just got to say one thing. Here's an idea. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> and literally the next line in my notes is, you know, this crystal vortex and everything could be responsible for the large amount of UFO activity in this area. Because so. they clearly have an interest in uh <laughs> brave fart on it on in uh, in courts. Because when you go yes. into Kentucky, for example, where all the weird UFO stuff is, mm -hmm. it's a giant quartz deposit. Mm -hmm. Uh, you go on to the left side of Michigan, just because I'm familiar with this one because I've been digging into it, where the Lake Michigan Triangle is. There's one of the cities that's one of the top UFO abduction areas in the country, in Michigan, and there's a quartz deposit over there. Anywhere where there's high, high traffic of UFOs, there is some type of quartz deposit. And a lot of people yeah. theorize the fact that maybe they 
want something to do with the courts, like they want to take the courts. I don't think that's what it is. I think that the courts is some type of um, how do I like an almost antenna, like a, almost an like antenna a, or like a battery, yeah. for example, to exactly. be able to open yeah. these portals. Because it seems well, like there's got, a combination yeah. of the volcanic rock that's magnetized and a quartz deposit. And I know that quartz holds energy. So exactly. I'm almost wondering if it could even theoretically be a buffer, you know, like if you open mm -hmm. a portal, it's going to release a ridiculous amount of energy. Maybe the idea is that you do it in these quartz areas. So it takes that energy in and doesn't end up causing damage to this reality. If it is something interdimensional. Yeah, that's a good thought. Just so. throwing a theory. <laughs> so, you know, we were talking about how this connects to a lot of stuff that we've been talking about on the show recently. And of course, this whole George Van Tassel thing also ties into the Collins elite, which if you guys remember in our Jack Parsons series, the Collins elite kind of were slash are an unofficial secret group within the U.S. government. And this group came to believe demons that. <laughs> yes, exactly. That Imagine the, uh, UFO ancient aliens, crazy hair, but instead of aliens, it's. Demons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, these guys believe that the UFO slash alien abduction phenomenon was not the work of actual, you know, extraterrestrials from another planet, but it was an elaborate deception that was being performed by literal, like, demonic, biblical hell demons, and they were bent on enslaving humanity and feeding off of our souls. So, all that's a lot. Uh, so go listen to our Jack Parsons series, uh, especially part three. We kind of unpack this. If uh, y'all haven't listened to it, it'll make a lot more sense. Still but planning anyway, on some point doing an solid just, just Collins episode two. So if you guys want to see that, it's, it's coming down the pipeline eventually. Yeah, exactly. And the more that this kind of pops up in other things we're talking about it, I think we're going to have to do at least an episode about it just so that's what I was thinking. the regular listeners know what we're talking about probably but. sooner rather than later hopefully it can be one of our one of our next episodes so again that's not like an off in the distance that should be coming up very soon we'll just do like a solid a collins elite episode for you guys yeah just kind of give everybody a, a a quick crash course so uh like we talked about a little bit in the parsons series uh nick redfern which again a lot of you guys are probably familiar with uh his work he's on ancient aliens he's written a lot of books about cryptids and aliens and whatnot but he's uh, written this book called Final Events, and it's about this whole Collins Elite idea. It's a really cool book. Would definitely recommend you guys read it. But he says in this book that uh, the Collins Elite believed that accessing otherworldly intelligences was more likely to occur through the mind than by scanning the skies. And again, this gets back to modern day notions of like CE5 type stuff. But this research began like back in the 50s, and supposedly it centered around three main figures. George um, shit. Van Tassel. Wait, no, there's too many Georges. He's one of them. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of George. I lost my spot. Just call them the Triple Georges. Triple yeah, George. The Triple Georges. Uh, so this research began in the 1950s, and it centered around three main, three main figures. George Adamski, George Hunt Williamson, and our boy, George Van Tassel. So basically, if you were coming up in the 50s and your name was George, man. You could join this group. You were on these guys' radar. But you're going to fuck it up because you wouldn't be part of the Triple Gs. They'd have to change it to the Quad Gs. Yeah. Sounds so, like a doo-wop band. 
<laughs> the Collins elite <laughs> believed that all three of these Georges were actually being contacted by occult entities instead of, you know, extraterrestrials. Dare I say they could be named the Curious Georges? <laughs> Ooh, well, they're curious little fellows. So, uh, so George uh, Adamski, that's probably a name that a lot of our listeners have also heard. He was another prominent but controversial figure in the early contactee movement. And he claimed that he had been visited by beings from Venus as well. And he was really uh, influential in the whole idea that like aliens were our, you know, extraterrestrial space brothers. And he also popularized the idea of what we would call Nordic type aliens now. You know, the the tall, blonde haired, blue eyed. I'm just going to start calling them the Aryans. I'm pretty convinced now in my own head that they're just where the fucking Nazis disappeared to. Yeah. So this guy, he gained (laughs) a lot of notoriety in the 50s. And he wrote three books and he claimed to take genuine photographs of UFOs. But a lot of this has kind of been debunked. And a lot of his pictures have been deemed to be a hoax. Like uh, something I read said that, you know, somebody analyzed one of these pictures and it was like a GE light bulb. And if you really, you know, blew it up, you could even see like the GE logo on this part of what he claimed was a spacecraft. But Loki, that's fucking hilarious. If somebody zoomed in and literally found the logo on it. (laughs) But, you know, in the 50s, yeah, this guy was getting away with it. But anyway, very controversial figure. I am not co-signing this guy or anything he said by any means. But this is kind of interesting. This guy gave a lecture at George Van Tassel's 1955 Giant Rock spacecraft convention. So there's at least some connection between these two Georges that kind of the Collins Elite guys are talking about. And again, it's kind of interesting to note that the entities that these guys were in contact with claim to be from Venus. And I think I mentioned this in the Parsons series, but in Latin, Lucifer means day star or morning star. And the planet Venus is also referred to as the morning star. So if you're prone to believing kind of these guys' opinions about things, this could be viewed as evidence that, you know, Van Tassel and Adamski and even Parsons to that extent uh, were in contact with entities that were demonic or occult and not actual extraterrestrials. So there's just kind of something to throw in and kind of bring it back to other things we've been talking about here recently. I also want to throw in, because I was talking about it last week, about the whole idea about how there's subliminal messaging happening here. Venus with women, you have the whole, like, that book I was talking about last week, but this just popped into my head, too. There's also Venus, like the women's razor brand. So what's up with, like, the constant, always pushed in front of your face association with, like, women and Venus specifically, you know? Like... Well, Venus was a goddess as well, correct? Yes, but, I mean, beyond that, I just kind of get this, like... I don't know, maybe it's like a back, like I said last week, almost like a backhanded comment, you know? Like, depending on if you're looking at it from, like, the biblical or, like, the uh, the mythological angle, I guess you could say. I mean, they're both kind of, you know what I'm saying, but, like, you could be looking Demons at it from, like... from Venus. <laughs> yeah. It basically could be, like, a backhanded comment saying that women are, like, demons in a way, you know? Like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I've... There, there's just this dark association with Venus, so it's like, why are they constantly associating that together like you think that after being aware of the fact that there's all of this like demonic stuff linked to venus that they would kind of like gear away from 
constantly using the women's stuff for Venus. And then again, and a lot of this stuff was in the fifties <clears throat> and like people were, uh, way different about their thoughts on things like that back then to say the least. So. And tell me why this Aryan looking race also claims to be from Venus. I mean, is that something subliminal too, that they're basically like trying to, you know, say something like we're, we're evil ones. <laughs> hey, let's just say, uh, that would kind of track with some other stuff we've talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so just a few last odds and ends before we wrap up uh, pop culture type stuff. So the Integratron has been featured on you know a bunch of TV shows. There's an entire Ancient Aliens episode, and aliens. You know, I, I know <laughs> some people aren't big fans of that show, but I think this is a good episode. You guys should check it out. It's at least good for a um, laugh. Like, come on now, everybody. I mean, like the ideas sometimes are ridiculous, but. It's it's entertaining. You can at least every once in a while, you know, they they throw something good in there. But uh, also, there is a season seven episode of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, and this is where I first found out about the Integratron. And in this episode, uh, Bourdain and Josh Hame, who is the singer and guitarist of Queens of the Stone Age, which one of my favorite bands. But anyway, they visit the Integratron and they participate in one of these sound baths. So that's a really fucking cool episode. If y'all are looking for just like a quick crash course on the Integratron, it's a good thing to check out as well. Um, But anyway, uh, also Wes Anderson's new movie that came out this year, Asteroid City. While I was doing the research for this, um, you know, me and Jenny watched this movie a few weeks ago and it has kind of a lot of similarities to this whole George Van Tassel Integratron idea, you know, rock in the desert and, you know, building a whole city and extraterrestrials and things like that. So I would definitely recommend checking out that movie as well. So just uh, some pop culture movie TV recommendations based off of what we've been talking about tonight. And that's basically all I've got for this one. No, you missed my favorite part about this. You put several bands slash artists have, re- oh, have recorded I did forget that at one. the Integratron, including the Arctic Monkeys. And you threw in Queens of the Stone Age as one of your favorite bands, so I want to throw in that the Arctic Monkeys is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> one of my favorite as well. I have seen them live. There so. you go. Now we got we got a common factor on music, my friend. <laughs> there we go. Do you so, know no, what album was... they recorded there? Just out of curiosity. Um, so actually, Josh Hame from Queens of the Stone Age helped produce one of their albums. I think it's Humbug, if I'm not mistaken. Was that the one it's, where it was like the super 60s sounding stuff with the... Um, it's the, the album that Crying Lightning is off of. Um, was that the one that had the... that What's that hotel song on it? I'm brain farting on it. Um, n- uh, no. No, it's an older one than that. It's before AM, I think. But um, I think it? it's the album directly before AM, if I'm not mistaken. What's the name of the album again? I think it might be Humbug. It's got like, here, I'll look it up real quick. Oh, that's like, um, not, not a new, it's like maybe like three albums back. Yeah. See, I got a thing where like, I listen to all the songs and I know the album covers, but I don't like know the names of the songs or the album. I just like look at my phone, go, oh, I like this song and I like it. And then I see the cover in the process. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a cool little tidbit as well. Um, yeah, so the Integratron is just really cool, really interesting. There's a lot of things to kind of unpack about the history of it, but also you can just look at it on the surface level of 
you know, this crazy guy built this thing in the desert and, you know, there's some cool TV shows and some cool music recorded there. So, I mean, wherever your mileage varies on the Integratron, I think there's something for everybody to kind of take away from it. I just imagine one day there's going to be some band recording there and they're just going to all hit like a certain string at the same time. And there's just going to be this like vibrating pitch inside of it. And then all of a sudden it's going to go and the top's going to start spinning and lift up and they're it's all gonna just going to float. <laughs> no, I don't like, think they ever built. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing though. Like they never built like the spinning apparatus that was going to like make this thing functional and make it do all this shit. Just one day the aliens right. are going to come in the middle of the night and they're just going to finish it because they hate yeah. unfinished projects. And then the wrong band's going to be recording at the wrong time. And they're just going to activate some shit and they're all going to lift up and then float into another dimension while all just suspended in midair, hitting a certain note and frequency, just. <laughs> and then the Integratron just flies away. And then we're done. Where did the Integratron go? Nobody knows. Yep. <laughs> Where did, where did that band go? Nobody knows either. They're just recording. Can you imagine how much money they'd make? They're just recording an album. They're they just the disappeared. With <laughs> Solganda or whatever his name was. <laughs> they come back and they all are like, their third eye is open. They just are all blue with a giant like eye in the middle of their forehead. And they're like, we understand the sound of the universe and we will bring so all Bono together with our music. YouTube. <laughs> like, isn't that what he claimed? <laughs> it's fucking Bono. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever that see that South Park episode real. where, like, no matter how much good you do, you always seem like a piece of shit? <laughs> well, I think, hey, we talked about our uh, music we both like. I think U2 is, like, the most overrated band ever, so. Yeah, I am uh, not a fan of U2, so if there's any listeners, or U2 is a listener, I'm sorry, man. I don't Fuck like your music. You. <laughs> and I don't like your fake virtue signaling ass, I'm going to do every single benefit shit either. Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we've talked about the Integratron. You've talked, talked shit about you too. Talked <laughs> shit about you too. It's been a full day. So. <laughs> well, I guess with that, if you guys enjoyed this episode, and hopefully you guys did, don't forget to leave a review or rating for us on iTunes or Spotify. It'll help out the algorithm, make it so more people are able to see the show, and the show can continue to progress on. And you guys know the drill. Reach out to us through social media email the link in the show description in the link tree all that good stuff just reach out to us we're always here and we're easy to find all available down in the show notes in the show description and with that i have been shane and i've been orn and i always got to tell you every single week because again i always think you guys forget because sometimes you know i even forget we all we all forget to always just just remember to stay bizarre my friends bizarre Bizarre. Bizarre. Fuck you two. <laughs> <laughs>